Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist and accredited advanced gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist and a sex and intimacy coach. And I have been working with people for well over 30 years to help them create and maintain the relationships that they desire with sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And now the letter this week is R. And R is for recharging. And today I am joined by Jasmine St. Clair. She shocked to fame as America's most controversial sex symbol after appearing in the top-selling adult films of the late 1990s. She created an outlaw rock star image that at times scandalized the adult industry. Her acerbic humor and willingness to mock her own porn stardom made her one of the highest rated guests on Howard Stern's radio show and related broadcasts for E! Entertainment. Sinclair's first mainstream appearances were in significant comic roles in Communication Breakdown and in National Lampoon Dorm Days 2. More recently, while studying in Bill O'Leary's acting workshop, Sinclair has turned to dramatic roles in thrillers like Angel of Reckoning and the talked about sci-fi drama Trial Run. Sinclair is often cast in ethnically ambiguous roles or as Italian or Middle Eastern, but she identifies as Latina due to her mixed Northern European and Brazilian ancestry. Sinclair's background is almost entirely at odds with her early adult film career. She was born Rea de, uh, and I can't pronounce this, so you're gonna have to say de Blucht, Rea de Blucht. In the US Virgin Islands, her father from Holland operated a food distribution company. Her mother was a US educated lawyer originally from Brazil. Sinclair grew up on Manhattan's Upper West Side and attended the Lycée Française and McBurney School, whose alumni include Henry Winkler and J.D. Salinger. Sinclair graduated from Brooklyn Friends School at age 16 with honors for her work in the pioneering Art Without Walls tutoring program for inner city youth. Upon graduation from Columbia University, Sinclair became a financial consultant at SG Warburg, then a division of Swiss Bank. But while in a physically abusive relationship with a prominent Manhattan lawyer, who Sinclair later 
outed in an interview with Howard Stern, she began a secret life as a topless dancer at Manhattan's infamous Kip Cup Cub, then at Flash Dancers. She entered the adult industry on a dare, invited on the Jerry Springer show for a scripted role as antagonist stripper, Sinclair invented her larger than life Jasmine Sinclair persona. Sinclair's flair for theater and controversy marked her ascent in the adult film world. She polarized the industry by calling porn films by and large disgusting and brainless. But she quickly dethroned Jenna Jameson as America's top selling porn star and then became the first Latina to surpass traditional blonde poor star archetypes when her films achieved a number one sales position in 1998. She was inducted into AVN's Hall of Fame as one of the greatest porn stars of all time and was among one of the first adult performers to be merchandised as an action figure and to star in an adult comic book series. There is so much more I could say about her because, oh my God, but I just want to end with, at the moment, she also has her own heavy metal radio show, Jasmine's Asylum, on Los, An a Los Anarchy radio station on Yo! Radio. She has a monthly column in Sports Bike Inc. magazine, so she's an avid motorcycle enthusiast, and has recently graduated from the Second City Conservatory in Hollywood. She also has a one-woman show, A Weird Kind of Fame, and I was lucky enough to appear on her podcast very recently. Welcome to the show. Ooh, that's a mouthful. I, Thank you, you for having me. Done so much. I've got to abbreviate that. I sent you the long one. I'm like, okay, I think she'll just like pull the juice out of it. But yeah, I, I got to update that too. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I like to, I like people to understand when someone sends me a long form, the nice part about that is that people get to understand more about the context of who this person is and how they're coming here. And, um, and context is really important. Um, and what comes to me for recharging, because I know we're going to talk about a lot of different things, because it can mean a lot of things. But I think one of the things that's always interesting is when we recharge ourselves for a new act in our lives. So I talked about, I talk about it in terms of acts, like in a play, because it makes sense to me. Um, and so I talk about, you know, sort of the first act of my career being um, mostly focused on trauma psychology and um, the second act in my career, but also doing some sex and relationship stuff. The second act in my career being focused on um, a lot on forensic work because I did a lot of courtroom work um, and, and also building up more and more of the one-to-one -one and the group therapy work. And so it was the therapy um, and coaching and court work. And this third act, I've added in the media stuff that for me, you know, doing television, um, doing more writing, doing more radio than I've done and more podcasting than I've done is like the third act. Um, and so for you in reading that intro, you've gone through all these different iterations, these different acts. And each time you've taken kind of the best of what you had in one and, and moved it to the next. Yeah. And it's so exciting when you can do that. I love it. Thank you. It's great. It's been a journey for sure. And, um, you know, you all, you can't always like look at everything in life as being negative. They might've been negative at one point, sure. you know, such as your situations, but you've transformed it into a complete positive. Yeah. And I, and I think that 
certainly research bears out that people who are able to do that, who are able to move from the negative experiences they've had and somehow find something positive out of it and let go of the stuff, the negative stuff and, and not continue to carry that, um, their, that resilience stands them in better stead for longer life, for their health, for their happiness. Um, they are a way of um, interpreting things and our ability to process really is important to, to future happiness. Yeah. But I feel as though sometimes when it's so many like people that judge and say so many negative things to you, eventually you try to, and this is part of like what my show is about, my one woman show, is you try to escape that whole realism of what brought you from A to Z, because mm-hmm. that's the cool part. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these, you know, the moral majority is what I call them. And they probably have way more to hide than any hardcore criminal that's out there, you know, but uh, um, then there's judging you so much and you try to get that identity away or away from it. And uh, sometimes you can't, you know, I flew all the way to Norway. I was living there. I went to Iceland to try to get away from Jasmine. But uh, at the end of the day, (laughs) um, a lot of people remembered me. Well, Jasmine's part of you. I mean, and this is the thing, you know, when we we laugh about um, I am I am quite recognizable. And even before I did my hair this color, um, I'm still recognizable. I was always recognizable. And there's advantage. That's an advantage and a curse. Right. And um, my name is also recognizable. You know, Bisbee is not a common name. That, and so people remember you. And sometimes you don't want to be remembered. You don't want people to remember that person who you were, wh- whoever that person is. Um, but it, it follows you. So uh, being able to embrace all of that and just say, okay, well, all of this is me. And I've grown and I change as, over time, but all of this is me is much better than, you know, trying to let, I'm going to get rid of a part. I'm just going to get rid of a part because, you know, not because I feel necessarily bad about it, right? Not because I regret it, but because I'm not doing that anymore. So I don't really want to deal with the the ruckus that came with doing that. But it is really hard to to let go of stuff like that. People do remember. Yeah. And it's totally fine because, those are the same people that are going to watch what you're doing now. They follow you everywhere. And I, I really don't care. You know, people bring things up. I really don't care to be quite frank with you. I mean, I think I'm the same person I am then than I am now, but I'm, I'm more of um, a refined. Uh, am I allowed to say the B word or not? Oh, you can swear to your oh, heart. Um, I'm more of a refined dick to people than I was before when necessary. <laughs> you know and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I found really interesting? Um, you know, so I'm doing a lot of podcasts at the moment and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I've done quite a few podcasts with, with people who have been in the adult industry who may not be in the adult industry anymore, but they have certainly made their names in the adult industry, which is fine as far as I'm concerned, right? I write erotica. I have no issue around this. You know, I talk about sex. Sex is cool. So um, what I found really interesting is, is that as things are posted up on Twitter and stuff like that, the number of times somebody will in the middle of the Twitter feed, which is about whatever we were talking about, which is usually not terribly graphic, right? Because it's a podcast, you know, and in the middle of the Twitter feed, all of a sudden there will be a really graphic picture of the host of the podcast, right? 
like out of nowhere because yeah. people think it's appropriate to actually cut the picture you know to grow, go back to whatever film it was whatever you know and bring the picture in and I never know what to say to that right so like I just ignore them because I don't know what to say to it but I always wondered like what's that how is that for you when somebody does that I mean do you want to tell them look this is yeah. not the place no what I do is I just ignore them because it's usually some poor you know, some poor jerk off living in his mother's basement that doesn't have a relationship with women and never will. And, you know, in fact, that's that's a good opportunity for you. <laughs> hey, hit me up for coaching because that is someone that needs help and uh, someone that has probably been rejected by women or just has issues and thinks that, you know, you're doing so much better now that they want to take you down to whatever they feel is more accessible as a person you know, because I'm way less accessible now as a person and will have less conversations involving fuckery and stupidity uh, than I was back then, you know, sure. but it's, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't affect me. I kind of look at the photos. Oh, that's cool. Actually, let me take a screen grab of that. Maybe I could just, you know, hold on to it for something. <laughs> I mean, you know, for me, what's so funny about it isn't that there's anything shameful or upsetting about the photo or even demeaning, right? It's, no. I mean, you know, but it's so it's so out of place. I remember being on a train, this was some years ago, um, and um, somebody had friended me on Twitter and I'd accepted the friend request. And there I was on the train and all of the people sitting next to me and stuff. And all of a sudden there's this picture of, you know, this woman sucking this huge dick. And I'm like, like I'm sitting on this train with, and I'm like, not that there's anything shameful about that, but there's a place, time and a place for it. And that's not what my, you know, I was like, oh, now I can't do Twitter in public, right? Because, you know, yeah, and I don't want to suppress those sorts of things because that also suppresses anybody talking about sex, which is problematic, of course. But I just, I always think it's interesting that people don't, don't know how to parse that. It's almost like they're saying, I can't recognize the person you are here talking. This is the only person that I recognize. Don't feel like, like, don't kid yourself. I still talk the same way, way back then. Yeah. I was a yeah, bit more bratty. I'm still bratty. Who am I fooling? But I mean, there are times when I'm going through Instagram, I was just at the gym and I'm going through Instagram and one of my friends posted like a titty photo and I'm like, okay, whatever. And the guy next to me was like looking over like, oh, who's that? But eh, it is what it is, you know, and people are going to do what they're going to do. It does not affect me when people start posting those because there are trolls out there and there are trolls. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's just interesting. But that's embarrassing. You're on the train and that happens. I know. I, mean, yeah, I just laugh. I'm like, OK, I, I don't do this anymore on the train, obviously, because, well, I'm not on the train anymore either. So that's cool. Um, so we were we wanted to talk about um, recharging in terms of one of the things that came up when we were talking about doing this topic was again, getting ready for another active life, which is when you're in middle age or above, and what you want to do is, re is start, you know, it's be dating, or if you're non-monogamous, you know, be out there um, connecting as well, or even hooking up, and what that kind of recharge ends up looking like in order to get yourself in a place where you're able to do that, which... Yeah isn't easy. <laughs> Everyone's online. I, I do not believe um, <clears throat> on online dating. Um, I actually did one like during the pandemic on Bumble. 
the guy showed up. Okay, first of all, your photo, you look so much better. Okay. Then he showed up, he took his bandana off. He did not look like his photo. I can guarantee you that. Then they lie about their height. Okay. So you're like five feet tall. I tower over you. Lastly, he's like, oh, um, yeah, well, I, uh, I think it's just gross. You know, I dated this girl. It was a burlesque dancer. At that point, I checked out, you know, yeah. and I just, I'm a very active person. Like I ride my motorcycle. Sometimes I walk places. I'm at the gym. I'm a very, just, I have to, I have too much going on to do this. I don't want to do that. Plus it gives you tech neck. And you'll need like a neck lift way earlier in life than you should even think about. So I don't want to get tech neck and I just, I don't want to do it. So that's like one less app on my phone. And it's so much easier for people to meet me and get that whole um, tapestry in person. Now, there's always the point where someone's uh, relative or bestie that's married to some boring woman has a problem. And I've encountered that in the past. <clears throat> I dated a nerd and they travel in packs, unfortunately. So his best friend didn't like me. He went to this guy's dad. Oh, well, isn't she a nice person? You know what she used to do before? My boyfriend at the time, the dad says, oh yeah, I used to watch Stern all the time. <laughs> so you get that a lot. And you know, this is probably like this whole thing where I, I have this theory that um, women such as myself, we end up sometimes with bad boys because not because we have a thing for them, um, but because they don't judge, if that makes any sense. Sure. I mean, you yeah. know, I, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of judgment out there and it is, it is very difficult, particularly with culture, the way it is, which is so youth focused to, um, be out wanting to meet people and be over the age of 35, 40. It's yeah. really, and, 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 you know, it, it's probably easier if you're not heterosexual, right? But not a hundred percent, right? Probably not a hundred percent. But certainly if you're heterosexual, it's a not, it's definitely a nightmare. If you're looking, if you're, if you're bi or if you're queer, but you're looking for opposite sex partners and uh, it's a nightmare, um, <laughs> you know, it's it, because the, youth culture is i'm looking for a young person i'm looking yep. for a young person then you um, get guys that are our age that like look for younger because they want to have kids and stuff so that does not um that has never really tickled my fancy because i'm so much of a uh, a wayward free spirit in a way and i just like to travel i like to do things and you know something sounds like a great idea that second bam i'm there i'm doing I'm doing it. So I just don't want to, you know, have that type of, I never wanted that type of responsibility. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Like I have friends yeah. that are older guy friends. And when they date women, their age, I always tease them. What are you doing? You're supposed to date half your age. That's what you're supposed to do. But yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that you know yourself and you made a good choice, right? I mean, I think it's really important that we don't end up in that place of this is the expectation therefore I'm going to have a child because child rearing is hard work and it's a big responsibility and it's a responsibility that doesn't end and people you know like kind of don't you don't really process that before you have the child there's no way to prepare somebody for having a child it's impossible 
because there's no way to prepare somebody for having somebody who is 100% dependent on you for breathing. You can't prepare somebody for that. You either experience it or you don't experience it, right? And and um, so even when people know that they want kids, they're not, their idea is a fantasy until they're in the reality. And I, I can attest to that because I now have a 20 year old, you know, and I mean, you know, I, I didn't think I wanted kids and then my hormones kicked in and suddenly I was on the baby train. And, um, and so I had him and I would, and I don't regret it. He, he's amazing. And it's been an amazing journey, but it was nothing like what I expected at all. Nothing, not in the least from pregnancy. Wasn't anything like what I expected. Oh, yeah. I only imagine. <laughs> well, I, well, I remember I was, um, the first time he kicked, I went, I went and got sick because there was something inside me. And I remember my friends going, oh, it's natural. And I said, there's nothing fucking natural about this. I, I, I understand that this is how human beings reproduce. I get that in that way, it's natural, but there's nothing fucking natural about having an alien inside you that can control when you're hungry, what you wanna eat, whether you feel sick, when you, know, when you need to go to the bathroom, whether you're sleeping or you're awake, that is not natural. That feels bizarre. And it, it took me, quite a while in the pregnancy to get to a place where I was actually okay with it and happy, you know, and, and getting in with the process and stuff. But at first for the, the, the first, the whole first trimester really. And then a little bit after that, it was like, what the fuck? You know, nobody told me it would be like this. Well, nobody, how do they know? Right. They don't know what it's like for me. I'm a control freak. So for me, it was a really big deal. It was problematic. Right. Um, but then it was amazing. And then I had this amazing child. And again, nobody told me what it would be like. They said, you'll feel this, you'll feel that, you'll feel the other thing. Some of it I felt, some of it I didn't. You know, and, and, and what, what had been said to me and what I understood and was really true is that this is the biggest responsibility you can take on. And it's a place where you have to prioritize someone other than you. And once you've done it, you can't go, okay, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. And so I think that some people should have a license before they have a kid because I see yeah. so many shitty parents out there. I'm very fortunate. I'm lucky I had amazing parents. And, you know, I would never trade that for anything in this world. I always say, like, I never want to be reincarnated because I'm happy with this life and everything that's happened, great or bad or whatever people think. So I never want to have a different set of parents. And you go on Instagram, you see these people doing some really messed up things. Then you have the whole section of models who want to go ahead and have someone have a kid for them as a surrogate because they do not want to, you know, ruin their bodies. Well, guess what? You have to be selfless once you have this kid. Then they turn into like Instagram moms or something or, you know, posting all over the place. I mean, it is really, you know, it is, it, I, it, I don't think we have, a, um, Western society raises you with the idea of prioritizing people above you. And so I do think that makes it more difficult. And I think when you're out there and you're like, okay, I want, I want to build up. I want to start meeting people. A lot of times people haven't even considered even at, at, you know, 40 and above, what actually do you want in a relationship? It's crazy. You know, you don't really think about those things. Um, I think as I was just so busy, you know, trying to, you know, just being Jasmine as a full-time job. So obviously someone that's not judgmental for sure. 
Um, secondly, you want someone that's not really going to care about what anyone else says. So someone with a backbone, a career, a stable, really good income. <laughs> um, of course, someone that's, you know, good looking. Uh, then well, you want yeah. somebody you're attracted to because, unlike, <laughs> you know, because, because it's a myth that women, when they get to a certain age, don't care about sex anymore. Some do, some don't. But there, you know, there are women, I, I say, I always said my oldest client um, still was a 78 year old woman whose husband had passed away and she had mourned and she was ready to go out and get back in the world. And she wanted help getting back out in the world. You have to, and it's about organic conversations more than anything else and humor. If someone doesn't have any bit of humor in them, it's like the biggest turnoff or someone that you can't even have a normal conversation with about anything. And people that think like everything's taboo, you know, and most of all, like, I don't really want to be around anyone that's going to, you know, change it, like change me or try to cover this or cover that up. And that's the truth. Like you, what you see, (laughs) what you see is what you get. I mean, I once went out on a date, the first date, and I was with a guy at a bar outside. It's right when the pandemic ended. Um, Now I carry a knife with me at all times. And, uh, I got into an argument. There's a guy who's antagonizing people and harassing them. So I, (laughs) I almost kicked this guy's ass. Like you see me pulling my hair back and my date's like, uh, um, I'm like, no, just sit down. So (laughs) I was ready to go at it, but, um, yeah, he kept, uh, he called me after. (laughs) I mean, so, so one of the things I think is, so you said you don't like online dating. Oh, by the way, there is a name for what that guy did, by the way, with the picture being a, a bit young and, and the, and the height being wrong and all of that, you know, what it's called? catfish, it's called, no kitten fishing. Really? Cat, yeah. Catfishing is when it's a whole other person. Oh, if I okay. catfish you. Uh, well, if I was catfishing, I could use your pictures and say, that's me, right? That would be yeah. catfishing. Sure. Kitten fishing is I send somebody a picture of me 10 years ago. Oh, I've learned something new today. Oh boy. I shave an inch off my height. I mean, look, okay, guys, you you should know this. As you get older, you lose height. I don't know how many of you realize that that's actually true. Many of you may think it's a myth. I'm going to tell you, I used to be five foot three and three quarters. I am now five foot two. Wow. Actually, I believe that. And I believe that your feet shrink as well. Because my mom's feet, unfortunately, my feet have not shrunk. But okay, yeah. She was a six. Now she's a five. I'm like, okay, that's it. No, my, my feet got bigger. Um, but um, although actually I haven't measured them since after, after um, since just after I had my son and they got bigger after pregnancy, but they might've started shrinking now. Cause that, that may be true. I don't know. But what I do know is I was shocked to shit to find out because I heard, you know, you know, the, you lose about an inch a decade Right. And so, you know, if you're, you're 50 to you're 16, then you're 60. And then, right. I'm 59 this year. And, it's, and I've had my height done. It's the first time I've had my height done since my 40s. Right. Because why? You're going to be the same height. Right. That's what I thought. Because I don't remember my mother starting to lose height until she was well into her 60s. So I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And they said, no, 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 boom. And they put the thing. So I said, how tall am I? And she said, five foot two. And I went, excuse me? That's almost two inches. If I keep going like this and I live to 90, I'm and I'm not skinny, so it's not helpful, right? Because <laughs> you, you know, I thought you were way younger. Like I thought you were 40 something or 30 something. Thank you. Yeah, I look younger than I am. Yeah, no, I'm 59. I'll be 60 in, tw- in March 2023. 
Wow. So I'm like, I recharge and I'm, um, you know, my birthday bash is invite only and is going to be completely decadent and there will be much sex because I, I, have, <laughs> I have a whole thing that I wanted for my, my 60th birthday and my bestie's like, we're going to make this happen. She's already interviewing people. Wow. No, that's she's awesome. Like, she's like, <laughs> no, not him. He's too much of a pain in the ass. We don't want to deal with him. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, you know, God bless you. That, that's amazing. And this whole thing about meeting people in person, sometimes I think the best thing to do is just be occupied with work and just doing so many other things with yourself. So because if you focus too much on it, it does not come to you. And I believe that these whole meeting in person, I mean, my best bet is I, I always meeting someone in person, um, whether it's through a friend, the street, you mm -hmm. know, but I, uh, I do use Google. I will be honest with you. And, you know, you want to know you, who someone when is. You, meet somebody, somebody, you check them out. You don't want to like go, you don't want to lay your cards on the table with someone and not know if they're putting their cards out there. And yeah, putting like your best, your worst foot forward, like almost getting into a fist fight at a bar. Um, <clears throat> at least I see what you're made of. I mean, I, I don't do that all the time, by the way. I, I believe that. I believe you don't do it all the time. I do think, I do think, so for me, um, I've never liked online. I'm, okay. Cause I am older. I came up where there was no online. So it's understandable. I might be a little bit reticent. My first computer was, um, uh, a mainframe computer with punch cards. I mean, that's, you know, in the dark ages. However, um, you know, lots of things moved online and I've never liked online dating because I want really to feel someone's energy. And then while sometimes you still can do that, even when you're not face-to-face, -face, my preference is to really see, make sure the connection is there because I don't want to invest time, energy, and effort. It takes me long enough to recharge, you know, from all my daily life and from all the things I do and see and whatever to have to then waste it on somebody in an online forum where you're talking, 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 getting attached, and then you meet them and, and it's not there. You know, it's just not there. Um, yeah. So I've never liked it, but I did just before the pandemic, I kind of broke down and decided to do some um, online dating. And part of the reason was because um, my partners, apart from my husband, are in the U.S. And I wanted to have some fun play partners close to home. So I decided, you know, every all my friends, everybody was like, come on, come on, come on. Um, it was before the pandemic weight, which I'm still trying to lose, you know, but I was like really, really happy about um, now I'm, I'm not as happy about what, what I, my body looks like. I'm still, you know, I'm still fine. You know, I'm still happy and I still feel attractive, but I'm not as happy there. I was like, absolutely like raring to go. felt great. And, um, so I thought, well, I'll do some online dating. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> yeah. One of my male friends explained to me that many people who are presenting as men, um, use the throw the spaghetti on the wall approach to see if anybody writes them back. Cause I would get like, I had my profile is very being very ethical. You know, I'm, I'm consensually non-monogamous. I'm married. I'm not looking for a husband. I'm looking for, you know, this sort of thing. I had like a dozen proposals in the first week. Oh my God. Well, that's cool. I, but that was bullshit. I mean, you wouldn't have wanted any of these guys to propose to you, right? 
I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Do you not read? Right. But they saw my picture and, you know, I, mean, I had some professional pictures up there that we'd done that were really great and fantastic pictures. Um, and um, so, yeah, I know I look good. Thank you very much. But you're proposing to me, you know, fuck all about me. And you didn't even read my profile. So then I got started getting to know some people. Okay, this sounds really scary. Well, no, it, it's just exhausting. Yeah, it is. But nobody, nobody, nobody threatened me in any way. Well, because, you know, you're stupid if you do that once you listen to my, once you speak to my husband. So in our relationship, um, uh, we're in a power exchange. And so he's the top. And in our relationship, anybody who goes out with me has to talk with him. They don't have to become his best friend. They don't. It's like he said, I'm not lending my Ferrari out. I'm giving the keys to my Ferrari to somebody that I've never spoken to. Sorry, that's my Ferrari. I need to at least know who you are. I need to feel comfortable with you and, and know that if I set limitations, you'll abide by those limitations. And then he just butts out. But nobody, like I can't date anybody who won't talk to him. And there are lots of people who don't like that. They're like, I don't want to talk to somebody else. That's fine. They rule themselves out. I don't care. Right. They just ruled themselves out because I don't want I don't want to hassle in my in my my marriage. Yeah, we're good together. I don't want to fuck that up. And I wouldn't fuck it up. I don't want somebody else to give him trouble. Like and when I say trouble, it's like I have to go beat somebody's ass. I just don't feel like, it. you know, it's like don't want to go there. I get concerned about this because I see so many, and I'm not talking just lifetime movies, but I'm talking about just things somehow going haywire. You know, I've, of course we're older and everything and you would expect other people our age to, um, to sort of behave in that manner, like present yourself at least around that emotionally. That and expectation. Yeah. But that's a really low one. And that's the thing in online dating, they want you to send oh, stuff a selfie and send it to me. It's like, no, I don't feel like it now. I don't feel like doing whatever they do with the duck lips. I just, you know, I just want to be left alone is my freaking day. And <clears throat> it's my sanctuary when I'm not doing anything. Like I go to the, uh, the sauna studio and just sweat for an hour and sleep in that like little wooden area where it's just me. And I don't think people understand the whole thing about recharging oneself and this is why i can't do that whole like the game and in la people are super shallow so yeah i get that and i you know i go to the gym um for me for myself mostly and you know do my facials and everything it's just it's so time consuming and that's why i could never fit into that whole online arena you know well, part of that you know what what you said that i think is so important is this idea that you know you're recharging um and part of your recharging routine is to be in your own space and on your own. And then people are like, well, you know, why do you need so much time to recharge? And um, I don't know about you. I'll answer for me. People make real, uh, huge amounts of demands on me. One of the things about being recognizable um, and being famous at whatever level, um, and you've got significantly more of that than I do at this point. Um, but one of the things about it is that people... Um, think they know you because they've seen you they've you've talked about certain personal things like when I do my podcast which I've been this is since 2016 right 
People think they know all about me because if you listen to my podcast, you know lots of things about me. If you read a book of mine, you know a lot about me. If you see me give a live, you know a lot about me or come to a workshop or if you see me on television. It's like a false sense of intimacy that happens. Um, and it happens much more since we started social media, right? Before social media, it still happened. I mean, famous actors and actresses talk about this all the time. Um, but it's gotten much, much worse as social media gives even an even larger, uh, the illusion of being invited into somebody's private life, right? And so because they think they know you, they make demands. And it's yeah. exhausting fending off the demands. You know, I, I, I now have a form email that says, you know, um, I'm sorry for the form email. Thank you for your question, but I don't have time to answer everybody's questions. Um, I answer the questions of my paying clients. And if you want me to answer a question and a quick way to get one question answered is here's, you can purchase a video response, right? Otherwise you can watch all my huge amount of free content where I probably addressed your issue at least a dozen times. However, it won't be personal to you. That's your choice. And people get obnoxious about that. Right. Everyone wants as much as they can get for um, <clears throat> as little as they can get. And maybe you should be on Cameo doing those answers because people can ask you a question on Cameo. Are you on Cameo? Not yet. I've been looking into going on. I can set show. you up afterwards. I will set you up with the woman's phone number. She will get you on there like, poof, and you'll be on there. Um, they don't want to invest the time. So if no one wants to invest the time in themselves in that respect and even trying to answer a question that they've asked you, you know, these are people that I wouldn't even want to meet because these are people who do not invest time in themselves or getting to know anything or anyone. And yeah, so why would you want to date them? Why would you, you want to date them, right? I mean, it's amazing to me the number of times people do that. I mean, so Cameo, you know, that's great to know that Cameo will be a good place to be. Because yeah. I was looking into it, I was like, yeah, I would be happy to do that. It's a great way to ask. I had somebody ask me, would I do a private video? Would you do a private video for my friend and say, you know, happy birthday, whatever, whatever. I said, sure, this is what it'll cost you. It's going to cost me something? Well, yeah. Like, why would I? For shits and giggles, for your health. <laughs> but, with, but that's all of that is about not understanding boundary the boundary between public and private because that gets really wishy-washy and i think if you do anything to do with sex if you talk about sex if you write erotica if you um do audio or i do i did audio erotica for a while where i would um would read my stories other people's stories i had other people on i have there's a podcast still out there i stopped doing it um, mostly because I ran out of time, but I'll go back to it at some point. But there's a podcast, My Erotic Library, which is a lot of fun. It's got some really intense stuff. But if you do that, if you do any adult film stuff, any adult pictures, people have this attitude that you yeah. somehow now know, don't have a right to your sexuality, your eroticism, your body anymore. That's now become public. Well, you give up your right to privacy when you become a public figure, number one. And I, I learned that like a long time ago. Um, hold on. So years ago, the first director I was under contract to, John T-Bone, he looked like Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead, a very smart British person. Um, he said, you give up your right to privacy. Okay, great. 
So then there's a whole thing of a mask. What, how much do you really want people to know? Like my one woman show, people have come there and I had some guys saying, oh, we'd be great together. Okay, so just because I gave you an hour of a show doesn't mean I'm married to the truth 100%. Of course you're not. You're right. enter, you're an entertainer. You have to. Exactly. You, your job with with a show is to entertain. That's yeah. your job. I and mean, that exactly. was another. It was trying to explain to people like, although I am pretty authentic um, in in what I do, there are some things you won't know about me because I don't actually think you give up your right to privacy when you become a public figure. I think you give up some of your right to privacy yeah. when you become a public figure. I think everyone has a right to a private life. I think the idea that the media can be here all the time um, and the justification that's often used is, in quotes, it's in the public interest. That's true. And, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't in the public interest, right? There is no place where I could see some of the, the, you know, some of the times where people have been outed and shit. I'm like, what's in the public interest about that? Why do we care what Joe Bloggs over here does? So what? That's a person who's an actor. Or so what? That's a public figure. Now, obviously, if a politician is saying one thing and doing something else, that's in the public interest. Um, if, if I were pretending to be highly moral in a, in, in, a, in a kind of, you know, very judgmental manner, and I were, you know, my kinky self in private, well, that might be in the public interest. I mean, I'm open about what I am so that there's no, there's nothing interesting to find there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's no discovery. So yes, I agree. You do give up some of your privacy, which means you need more, more recharging time. Yeah. All the time. You absolutely need more space to recharge and place to, to go and just be quiet. And there's a, um, one of my friends is saying that, you know, if you're somebody who um, is in the public eye and um, you engage in any kind of sexual activity that isn't heteronormative, that means if you're at all kinky in any way, that you end up needing to get non-disclosure agreements, legal non-disclosure agreements from people you date um, because people are interested in the story and it's not because it's going to be anything bad for someone to hear. Like if somebody told the story about the way you are with sex, you'd be like, yeah, and this is news. That's not the issue. If somebody told a story about me. I'd be like, and so you could read about it in my, in my book or my erotica. It's right there. Here it is. This is what I like. Yeah. Oh, really? You're good. You're telling people, but what it would be for me is that was an intimate moment and you, you, made it a public moment. And that would be my issue. Not that I was embarrassed about what I did, but that I was like, you took something that was precious and you tried to make it tawdry. Yeah, it happens a lot. And, you know, there's nothing you could, sometimes people just want attention by using something that shouldn't be there, you know, and it sucks. There's nothing you could really do about it. It's just, when you ignore people, huh? It's also one of the reasons not to online date. Exactly. Exactly. The photos. And you don't know who that person is. You don't know what they're going to do. But the whole thing is, I just, people don't understand. And once you start getting into this whole thing, it's going to be this all day. And you don't know how many other people they're doing that with. That is the other issue 
with that in general. I mean, I have friends, I've lived through their nightmares with these like online dates uh, vicariously because I'm usually when they call, oh, well, this happened, that happened. It's like, well, how did you meet this guy online? Well, what, what do you, well, of course that happened because they're not representing themselves. You could write the person, the perfect personals ad, but when someone meets you, you're a total hot mess. And I, I don't, I just can't engage in that. I really can't. And, you know, I, I'm a very, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say complex, but there's just very, very, very complex parts of me that are very difficult to understand. And I get into these crazy zones and I get into the not crazy zones. And it just, when I go, I go. And it's not like I'm ignoring people. It's just, I have to do what I have to do. I have to do my podcast. I have to do this. I have to go read for something. I have auditions. These are the priorities. It's not saying that I am treating people like shit, but this is what they are. Well, and, and I think, really, but I think it's really important that, I mean, it's one of the things that lots of times people aren't aware of themselves is like, what are you, what, what are our priorities? What's, and you should be able to list, these are my priorities like you just did. But also when you meet somebody, that's part of what you talk with them about. Like I have priorities. My husband is one of my priorities. My son is one of my priorities. If I'm going to date you, you must understand that for me, now not everybody who's non-monogamous does it this way, but for me, these are my priorities. That doesn't mean you're not going to get time. You may be, you may also become a priority, right? But there are things, my work is important. This is how I make a living. This means this is how I eat. This is how my child eats. You know, I mean, what, when he finishes university, he'll be do, responsible for how he eats. But right now, I'm still responsible for that. This is how my husband eats, right? You know, this is all about how we get to do what we get to do. It's how we have a roof over our heads. So if you're going to try and mess with my work, I'm not going to give you any time because I can't prioritize yeah. that. I can't prioritize that. So once we know that, then we explain that as we meet people, these are the things. And I do also tell people, this is what I do to recharge. Here are the things that are important to me. So you may think, well, why am I saying, you know, I don't want, I'm, um, I, I can see you once a month instead of you want to see me, you know, every day. And I'm like, no, between all my responsibilities and I need recharging time. Well, what does that, I've had partners say, well, what does that mean? For me, what that means is I need time where I can just disconnect. I, I play music in part to recharge. Um, I uh, write to recharge. And when it's not like commissioned writing, it's just, you know, writing for pleasure. Um, I read to recharge. Sometimes I walk, I'm with the dogs. You know, I've got a list of things that I, that I do in order to bring energy back. And actually the people I love the most also are able to help me recharge. That's part of why I'm with them. That it's being with them doesn't sap all my strength, that it's a give and take. See, I got to recharge alone. Like I just can't have people in that cosmic space and um, it, it, like going to the sauna. I want to like, just, I don't want anyone there. I just want to be able to close my eyes. Sometimes I have to knock on the door like, hey, uh, you're supposed to be out like five minutes ago. Okay, go get a massage. I have lower back pain still. I don't know, like it's not, it's not a health issue, but it's just probably from not stretching all the time. So now I take time to stretch. 
I take time to actually go do yoga twice a week to stretch specifically because it's really helped me. I do my Pilates class and I just like, I just can't, like if I go walking on a trail, I don't necessarily want to have friends. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I want to just go alone. I want to take my photos of things. And like, sometimes I, I go with friends, but I just really much rather do these things. Sometimes I just like having a glass of wine outside and just people watching, you know, and just seeing things like that. I, it's a very personal thing. And without that, I don't have my sanity and seeing me on an insane day is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, you know, I, I need a certain amount of time to myself to recharge as well. I, I, I'm, I always thought, I mean, compared to some other people, I do actually need a significant amount of time alone. And I think part of that is because of what I do for a living on a day-to-day basis is, is, is really intimate time with people. And so there comes a point where it's like, actually, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to listen to anybody. I don't, I don't want that. I just, I want some, some space. Um, and I, you know, I might, if I'm in a mood, I might want to, you know, um, listen to music very loud and scream, you know, or, or, or dance or whatever, um, you know, or I might just want to cuddle a dog or whatever it is, but it is about not having to be present for someone else because my whole job is about holding space. You know, it's not, it's not the listening and the talking that's the issue. I'm holding space for a person and creating a space of safety. And because of that, that, you know, there's a point where it's like, okay, I need just to, just to hold it for me and for no one else. And I do think, and I don't know if you agree with this. I think that um, we were talking earlier a bit before we came on the show about, you know, the hormonal issues that can come up for women who are, um, and, and, you know, for people who um, have vulvas, um, who are menopausal, perimenopausal or postmenopausal, that that's yeah. a whole thing um, that affects your ability to recharge um, and affects your ability to, and, and literally recharge. Your energy is so fucking affected by the hormonal changes. And I saw a woman on TikTok a number of, of months ago, it was a British gynecologist who said, you know, there is no reason why a woman shouldn't stay on hormone replacement until she leaves this earth. She said, I agree. yep. I mean, I, I was, I mean, this was, a, I'm not that I would disagree, but it was a revelation to hear a doctor say this. She said, after evaluating the risks, just like you would for a birth control pill, you know, relatively speaking, the way the risks are phrased makes them seem much bigger than they are. And she said, there are a lot of risks also associated with having no estrogen in your body or only a small amount. So particularly if you have no ovaries, so you have none. There are risks with with having um, no testosterone in your body. And yes, female bodies also need testosterone. Um, And when you balance those risks, hormone replacement is therapy. It's not about trying to stay young. It's not about doing something quote unnatural, which feminists have said. It is about, yeah, there are some feminists who are like, you know, it's a part of life and you know, and and she's like, you know, when men's testosterone decreases um, and they start having problems, no doctor thinks twice about boosting their testosterone. 
No doctor thinks twice about giving them something that's going to help them get an erection. But we think twice about doing something that's going to help a woman um, be be flexible again and be able to enjoy sex again and and be be, lubricating properly and have energy and all of that and have a libido. If a man doesn't have a libido, it's a catastrophe. And we do all this stuff in order to help them have a libido. If a woman doesn't have a libido who's 50 or 60 or 40, we're like, oh yeah, well, you know, you know, it's, it, it's, you're past it. No, that's not the way it works. At least not in our world. And, and any feminine, any feminist that said that is some crap fourth wave feminist who has no idea about what they're talking about because you want to live your best life ever. I'll tell you, like I started getting really warm at night. And we'd have the fan on, the AC would be on. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, okay, is it because I have like a flannel light shirt on? Like, why am I hot? Whew, I had everything tested and um, right away. Okay. So my gynecologist, I don't, I'm not really a huge fan of hers because she is not um, progressive enough for me right. uh, or I, I should say advanced. Then my endocrinologist, she's given me estrogen tablets. I said, no, 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 no. That's going to put weight on me. And it gives you more swing. So I got the compounded creams. The, t- the testosterone I started on a couple of years ago, uh, Rock Doc sort of gave it to me. Someone who just prescribed things a little loosely and it made me feel great. I have a prior authorization for HGH. So I don't have to pay the regular price most people do, but I just, it was, it took like a year to get that. So I don't have to pay a thousand dollars. It's like 80 bucks a pen. And I take that for my energy. It's great for your skin, like skin and menopause. You will go through things where you have the age spots that come up and you have like a little bit of discoloration. So that's where facials come in. So Fade- tell, me about, tell me about HGH. Yeah. HGH is amazing. So make sure it's prescribed. That human growth hormone. Human, yeah, it's great. But you, you have to take a small, like this, it's like a very small amount I take and I put it in my stomach every morning. Um, it's a really tiny needle because I'm afraid of needles. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're bad, but it helps your skin. You do feel energetic, but it takes like a week to kick in. Um, whereas when I took the estrogen and the DHEA cream, not the pill, and it was all compounded, like I was out without estrogen for like three days last week. And I was just drowsy. I just couldn't. I'm like, my God, I, it was either from that or from a wedding I went to. We were drinking and I don't know, it was like a Jewish wedding and I'm laying there. I'm like, this is four days to recover from this open bar. We, it was an open bar for three days, but <clears throat> the DHA helped me. I feel the boost, uh, the HGH, you have to wait about a week or two, but it really works and just be monitored by a doctor. But I'm telling you, it helped my workouts. Uh, you burn fat a lot easier. I, I also take a spray, a homeopathic spray for that too, to double boost it. But I am a firm believer in creams and I'm a firm believer in HGH, 100%. Well, what I would say is that, I mean, what I would say is that um, the bioavailable gels and creams are better because they're bioavailable. And I was trying to explain to somebody that um, putting it in the body when your body isn't producing it, even if it's bioidentical, is never as good as your body figuring out how much to make. Um, and so I advise women that if you don't need your ovaries removed, when you have a hysterectomy, don't do it. I got pushed into it for, for some very valid reasons. 
Um, but I did not expect what I had to deal with afterwards. And what I still have to deal with because being because you don't end up with it with a plane with a, just a balance. You don't get balanced, right? Because your body, even when it's producing less and you're adding extra, it's still titrating it by the day, right? But I don't have that. So I'm having to put in and they only give you one amount, right? And so it's either right that day or it's not right that day. And, and getting balanced is really difficult. And your energy is one of the biggest things. I mean, hot flashes are horrible. And, you know, uh, there are lots of, of people who have um, have uteruses or used to have uteruses um, who um, have hot flashes forever. I mean, that's not, that has to do, that's familial and genetic. Excuse me. And I, I mean, they're horrible, horrible things. Um, but they're part of life. And so it's like, there's medication for it. We should be availing ourselves of the things that allow us to be our best selves. And that isn't denying aging, like, right, you know, there are women who will fight aging to the last minute, and I get it. And I don't, I don't like the signs of aging that I see, right? Hate them. But you can age gracefully. Of course, right, you can age gracefully rather than having it come on, boom, right which is sometimes what happens with menopause it's like boom and there it is all of a sudden your skin starts going and all these things and you're like what the fuck i was okay up until now it's crazy you wake up like one day and then that's when the hot flashes start and i'm freaking out i'm like jesus christ and i mean having a gynecologist that wouldn't give me the right cream and prescribe it was really what bothered me i'm like who the hell are you then you go to the endocrinologist and they're supposed to help you. Oh no, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. It's like, then why do you have a medical license? I'm telling you, this is what I need. I don't want those pills. Well, maybe it, it uh, interacted with your friends differently. I'm like, look, I'm just telling you I want creams. That's it. So that was that. And I said, I always advise people do not buy like Instagram mess, all these ads, do not buy your meds off Instagram with a teledoc. I got sick. I tried it once and I was so sick for like two weeks. So I just went to my internal doctor, the internist, he did it. Then I switched uh, endocrinologist. She's pricey. She's out of network, but I see her like maybe twice a year when I need stuff and I will pay for the compounded medications. Um, I usually pay half price a friend and family rate because the pharmacy I get it from, they do a lot of IV infusions and I help them grow like client base for that. I'm actually going there tomorrow to get my vampire facial to help with just the collagen and also with this little bit of discoloration. So I don't do things aggressively. I do them slowly over time. You have women out there getting facelifts like one day you're this, then the next day it's like, holy, okay, what did you do? You got to do things slowly and moderately. And what makes you comfortable? Same thing with dating. Like when you go back out there, do it at your comfort level, you know, and it's just, it's a tough thing, but it's just, you know, getting out there and going back out and having the confidence. Confidence starts from within. So if you don't, exactly. And if you don't feel like you're your best version of yourself confidently and, you know, that evening physically, then don't, don't do anything. Cause then you end up, you'll settle. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that's really important. And, and 
and a lot of attraction comes from within as well. And, and people don't realize that attractiveness um, is, a, is a big function of what you're projecting. And um, when you're confident and you feel good and you, pro you project that and you draw people in, when you're not feeling good about you, you can be picture perfect. But if you don't feel good about you, you won't draw people in. You know, people will come that are, are looking at a two-dimensional photograph, but you won't draw anybody in. You won't make those connections. So if people want to find you, where can they find you? Where are the best places to find you? At the day spot? No. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so I have several um, outlooks right now. I have Crazy Train podcast. That's crazy with a K, which Dr. Which Lori was a guest. I yeah. love it. I love that. I, I love doing that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So crazy train podcast, crazy with a K it's on Apple, Spotify. I'm going to start, um, doing YouTube with it as well and uploading things there. So that's my main focus next week. Then on, um, social media, all my handles. So Jasmine doesn't have an E St. Clair S T C L A I R E. So Twitter, Jasmine St. Clair, um, Instagram, the real Jasmine St. Clair, uh, Facebook, it's the same thing. And, uh, Oh, my one woman show. It's called A Weird Kind of Fame, but I put that under the umbrella of the Jasmine um, <clears throat> uh, Instagram. And I also wrestle still. I got back into that with Fight TV. We have a pay-per-view every other month with XPW Wrestling. And I guess just stay tuned on my IMDb because I have projects there that I work on in films. And, you know, it's just, I love theater. So maybe, you know, when I uh, go back to Europe at some point, uh, I want to work in theater again because that was so much fun. I love it. It's great. That's great. I, I love Europe. It's just amazing. And I, I'd love to start working on um, film and TV there at some point. So you could probably catch me there at some film festivals here and again. But just check, check me out on social media. And I'm on Cameo as well, which is where you'll be. Brilliant. So, okay, guys, next week it is S. Um, if you've got suggestions for the show, you know where to go. Go ahead and email me and put in the title, show suggestion, something in the subject that tells me what you're doing. And that includes if there are people you want to be to see on the show, to hear on the show, please tell me. I do entertain it. Please, 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 please. People never like to do reviews. I get it. I, it it's time. But it's also people don't like to do reviews for things to do with sex. Reviews are really useful. So I'm going to incentivize it yet again. Um, you know, if you do a review this week, if you do a review, we're going to have a raffle for a 30 minute free session with me. So you do a review, you go into the hat, you can win the session. I don't care where you do it. You can do it at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. It doesn't matter to me. Just do it. If you want to make sure that I see it, go ahead and drop me an email saying I did a review. Also, if you go and you read one of my books or you've read one of my books, you can do a review on Amazon. Again, if you do a review, you get entered into the weekly draw for a 30-minute session with me. I'm going to be doing that for the next few weeks and I'm going back to monthly. So this is a good time to grab the time and you'll be able to talk about whatever issue you want. Have a brilliant week. Stay safe. Have fun. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. 
or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it, but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.